It's time for episode 119 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, January 13, 2016. Clockwise, four people, four technology topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast 4.5 billion years in the making. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and I'm joined, as I am so many weeks, by my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. Welcome back. We missed you last week, although there, uh, once again, people are, are, are plotting to overthrow you as the co-host of Podcast. Uh, many have podcast. tried, Jason. Many have failed. No, none have yet succeeded. It's true. Uh, we're joined this week by two fantastic guests and two alumni of our <laughs> old uh, employer. To my left, it's Mr. Dan Frakes from The Wirecutter. Hi, Dan. Good morning and happy new year. Actually, is it good morning when this is released? I'm sorry. I just screwed that all up, didn't I? It's, it's morning when we record this. <laughs> okay, Can't take okay. you anywhere, right. Dan. And right. uh, you, you can listen anytime. It's the eternal present of the podcast list. All right. My uh, bad. To my left, it is Sholly McFarland, who I uh, used to work with at Macworld for, for many a year. And uh, most recently, the author of the El Capitan Crash Course book from uh, Tra- Take Control Publishing. Hi, Sholly. Hello. Good to have you here. Glad to be here. Welcome back. You're both veterans of Clockwise. You know how this works. We have four technology <laughs> topics in uh, in 30 minutes or less. Sometimes it's less. And Dan, you're the uh, designated host, so why don't you go first? Well, I, that's delightful. I think I will. Um, so as Jason mentioned, I was away last week. I was on vacation in the lovely Hawaiian islands, uh, I, and I'm. it's so much colder where I am now. But uh, <laughs> as I was uh, traveling last time, I was thinking back to the last time I was in Hawaii, which was maybe eight or, eight or nine years ago now, uh, and I realized that that time I had been lugging around my nice big DSLR, and I took some great pictures, and, and it, you know, it was a great camera, but this time around, the only thing I took was my iPhone, uh, and so I snapped all of my pictures with my iPhone, which may not be as nice in some ways, but is certainly a heck of a lot more portable. So I'm curious to know if you guys travel with, you know, when you're going on vacation, especially one where you're, where you're thinking about taking lots of pictures, do you travel with any other cameras, or are you totally just smartphone only right now? Dan, what about you? You know, it's interesting because I was smartphone only until last year. Uh, I My iPhones have gotten better and better, and they take good enough pictures for most things. But last year we went to Hawaii, and I kept wanting to take pictures while we were in the water, in the pool, in the ocean. Uh, and I didn't have a waterproof case or I didn't trust it. So this year we actually bought a waterproof camera just for that purpose. And when we went to Hawaii this year, we carried it everywhere and we like, you know, tossed it in the water, took pictures underwater and it was fantastic. So I'm kind of, unless I'm going somewhere where we're in the water, yes, my phone is my camera. Otherwise I, I do take the waterproof one. Generally, I, uh, although I have a great uh, DSLR, I, uh, I take, I wrote about this on Six Colors when we did our big family trip, uh, road trip up to Seattle and back. Uh, we, uh, we didn't bring the big camera. It was just like too much to, to carry. And uh, worry about, like, are we going to leave it in the car? Is it going to get stolen? All that. We all had our phones with us. And the fact is that we put together a, a fantastic selection of pictures. Yeah, the, having the DSLR would have been better, but um, it was too much of a hassle. And that's that's why it very rarely comes with us anymore, which is kind of sad because the pictures it takes are beautiful. But is it worth the trade-off? Basically, at this point, it's not in almost any circumstance, which, again, makes me sad because it's a very nice camera. But that's just the way it is. I think it's true that the best camera is the one that you have. And for me, that's always my iPhone. It's always in my pocket. I've got it no matter where I am. And over the years, I have an iPhone 6 now. The camera has really just gotten 
better and better, um, both for pictures and video. So that is really my main camera. We used to have a flip video camera that got passed on to our 12-year-old. I think the last standalone digital camera that we had for the family, we donated it to our preschool like five years ago. Um, So the iPhone has made pretty much everything obsolete. The one exception in our house is we have a Panasonic GH3 DSLR. And my husband uses that to make uh, documentary films, which is one of his hobbies. Um, But that's it. And that, you know, that's not even technically a video camera. It's a camera that does awesome video. So even there, we have we've downsized our technology. Um, And I realized I never even print photos anymore either. They're shared almost exclusively through Facebook and email. So um, it's gotten a lot easier to take pictures and share pictures. And that's awesome. Yeah, I agree with all of you. I mean, I have my my Canon DSLR sitting up there in a dusty bag. I just noticed, and it hasn't. I'm sure the batteries are not even remotely charged. Um, but and to Jason's point, it's just not so much better that I need to carry yeah. that it's worth a trade off of carrying it around, right? Like it's yes, it will take better pictures, but the iPhone camera is so good. It's like an eighty twenty thing, right? Like it's not worth the extra hassle because the iPhone, even at like eighty percent, is good pictures. Is is still not worth the hassle of carrying around an extra camera that you might lose or break or get stolen um and so uh yeah i I was perfectly fine with using it and you can take some stupendous pictures with the iphone i mean um both my girlfriend i have uh, i think she's got a six and i've got a 6s and they both take amazing pictures so i didn't really feel like i was lacking at all this time around but it is uh interesting how much that has shifted in the last few years uh, well, thank you all for your input on that topic. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Dan Frakes. So um, I spent the week last week at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. And one of the, if not the predominant theme there was was smart home stuff. Uh, it's been, go- you know, we, we've been talking about smart home stuff for years. Uh, Apple's got HomeKit, which we're still waiting for HomeKit stuff. Uh, and there's all these systems trying to compete to be your home's brain. And I'm just wondering, how smart is your home? And if it's not, then what are you waiting for? Uh, my home is getting smarter, although it's not particularly smart. I have a, uh, a Nest thermostat. I've got a couple of uh, LifeX smart bulbs. Um, I've got a digital music system. I've actually got two because I'm sort of trying out some Sonos stuff. And I've also got the old Logitech Squeezebox stuff. I, I think the thing that's holding me back, it's a few things. One is um, the way houses are built is not necessarily conducive to smart technology. I have a house from the 50s. The wiring in my home does not support a lot of things. Like I tried to install a Wemo light switch. So it's a light switch that can be a normal light switch or it can be controlled remotely. And the wiring in my house doesn't support it. I don't have the neutral wire that is required. And so I'm kind of out of luck. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is install a bunch of smart bulbs in your house and they're all attached to light switches because when the switches are off, they're off and they can't be turned on. Or what, you leave all your switches on all the time? That's kind of weird, too. So that's a problem. And the other problem for me is it is the uh, the connection between all these different technologies. It's just not very good right now. HomeKit, for example, Apple has made some very specific rules about how you can access HomeKit that mean that hardware that doesn't support HomeKit basically can't talk to HomeKit. Um, I, I was realizing the other day that um, I have this, uh, this Sonos speaker in my kitchen right now that I'm trying out, and I really wanted to tell it what to play. 
like it was an Amazon Echo, but it doesn't do that. And the Amazon Echo, I could get one of those, but it doesn't have some of the features that the Sonos system has, including access to my Apple Music library. So again, I'm just kind of out of luck where none of the pieces really fit together. It's too early days and my house isn't built for it. So I'd like for it to be smarter, but right now that's limited to the fact that my outside lights now uh, come on and go off uh, based on their own kind of internet timing, which is fun. But uh, other than that and the thermostat, that's that's as smart as my house gets, I'm afraid. Our attempts at a smart home pretty much started and finished at a Wi-Fi enhanced smart light bulb for our front porch. And we spent, I think, about $80 on that light bulb because we thought it would be helpful to be able to program it and control it from an iPhone, especially when we were on vacation. But I got to say, its most notable accomplishment was scaring our neighbors. One evening, they came knocking frantically at our door because the light bulb was blinking out what they thought might be Morse code. Um, <laughs> it, it couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi, so it had started to blink. And they got really freaked out. Um <laughs> So that was about it. We unscrewed that light bulb and put it away. And my my situation is I have a 1924 bungalow. So similar to Jason, I don't have uh, any kind of modern wiring in my house. But I also have the situation that I live and I work at home. So I can turn everything on and off myself yeah. pretty easily. <laughs> if I did work out of the house, the, I was thinking about it. The one thing that I thought might be fun was a motion-activated surveillance camera that I could see over the web. And I was thinking about when Jason took that road trip and he was at my house and we were able to watch his cat. And that was fun. Cat watching would gladden the heart if I was a cube dweller again. Uh, well, unlike the rest of you, I, I live in an apartment, a one bedroom apartment, which is pretty small. So there's not a lot of options for, for home automation or things that really make a ton of sense. And I'm limited in terms of what I can replace and not replace. But I do have a few things. I have an Echo. Um, which does link into some of my uh, other home automation gear. I have a uh, Belkin Wemo outlet because I have a light in my front office that's on a timer. So it goes on and off even when I'm not here, which is nice. Um, we had one of those growing up in my house, but it was just one of those old mechanical timers, which which was great, except it ticks all the time. So if you're in that living room, it just sounded like there was a bomb under the couch or something. <laughs> um, so that's cool. You can turn it on and off with your phone, and I can turn it on and off with the Echo, which is great. Uh, I recently added a Harmony Hub so, uh, which wires in, uh, to the echo as well. So I can tell it to turn on my Apple TV or to turn off the TV or to turn on my Xbox, which is kind of fun. Um, and I have a Canary, uh, home security system, which is a motion activated camera, which is pretty cool as well. That does not link into anything, which is kind of a shame, but it does work really well. You know, I was away in on vacation and I could check in on the office a couple of times and just make sure that there was nobody prowling around. Um, but I think Jason's right to the point that the it's incredibly fragmented right now, and there isn't a standard, and there's lots of different competing standards. And I think as time goes on, those might meld, or you'll find products that work with multiple versions of them and can, can sort of bridge that divide. Um, but right now, it's not quite there yet. But I feel like in a few years, it might be more plausible. Although my issue with the – I'm interested in the Wi-Fi controlled light bulbs, but I will say that my biggest issue with them is, yeah, it just seems like a lot to pay for a light bulb. What, what happens when yeah. the light dies? Mm -hmm. You have to replace yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like I have I can buy a six-pack of light bulbs for like $5. <laughs> yeah, what, what I'm hearing here is pretty much what I hear from a lot of, of people, normal and techie. We have lots of stuff in our home, partly because I'm a geek, partly because I test some of this stuff for work, but we have a bunch of Wemo stuff. We have, 
you know, a, a garage door opener that you can, you know, open and close and, and check on from your, from your phone, um, security system, all these things. But Jason and I were laughing last year once when we all had, we had screenshots of the folders on our phone with all the apps that control all the things that don't talk to each other. So I've got like a folder of at least a dozen apps on my phone that control all the smart things about my house that aren't smart enough to talk to one another. And, um, it, at CES last week, one of the big things was people trying to convince you that their solution was the one that's going to fix all that. But um, I got to tell you, if somebody could come up with a product that talked to, you know, Zigbee and Wave and Thread and Nest and um, HomeKit and kind of like acted like a universal hub, they would sell like billions at this point, <laughs> something that would make it all work so that a normal person could set this up, press a button and then just do what they wanted to do with it. All right. Well, we're halfway through. That means it's halftime. And I get to tell you about our halftime sponsor before we get to our next two topics. This episode is brought to you by Linode, which I keep calling Linode. So forgive me if I do that. They've told me now that it is Linode. Uh, Okay, fine. Uh, Either way, it's great. Uh, Linode provides a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers. They're spread across eight data centers around the world. Uh, The server that runs six colors and the incomparable is in the Linode uh, Dallas data center. Uh, It's a fantastic solution for your server server infrastructure. You can get a server up and running in under a minute. It's kind of amazing with their web interface. And plans start at just $10 a month. You can choose your resources, your Linux distro, the node location. It's all from in their web manager tool. And once you're up and running, you can deploy, boot, resize the server. It's just a few clicks. Super easy. Linode servers are industry-leading native SSD storage powered by Intel E5 processors, which are the fastest you can get in the cloud market. They have access to a 40 gigabit network with multiple levels of redundancy. And there's an API that lets you easily automate tasks or develop custom applications in the cloud. All of Linode's pricing tiers include hourly billing with a monthly cap on all plans and add-on services, including backups and node balancers. I have a plan that's got a server at the level that I want and a backup that goes along with it, and I get one bill every month. It's a, it's a, the, the rate is exactly what I expect it to be every single month. It's great. I just, I, I'm happy to pay it. I set it and then I forget it. Linode has over 400,000 customers all taken care of by a friendly 24-7 support team. They're even open over the holidays. And Linode is really committed to improving their infrastructure. They recently switched uh, from Zen to uh, KVM, and their latest Unix benchmark showed a 300% performance increase. I had to do a reboot for that, and suddenly everything was faster. So if you want to run a private Git server, host a large database, run a mail server, operate powerful applications, set up your own tech website and podcast network, just for example, and so much more you can do it. And as a listener to Clockwise, if you sign up at Linode.com, Com. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash clockwise. You'll be supporting us. And also you'll get $20 toward any Linode plan. And there's a seven-day money-back guarantee. So Linode.com slash clockwise. To learn more, sign up and take advantage of that $20 credit. Or just use the promo code, code clockwise20 at checkout. Thank you to Linode for powering my server and supporting Clockwise. All right. Two topics down. Two more to go. Here we go. My topic is this. Apple has been rumored, many, many rumors out there, to be removing the headphone jack from the iPhone 7. I don't want to debate whether that's a good idea or not yet. I did that on Upgrade this week. I'll probably do it again. I'm just curious because everybody says, oh, everybody just uses the ear pods that come with the iPhone. Um, you know, this is not a scientific survey, but just putting you on the spot here, what headphones do you use, if any, regularly? And uh, are those the headphones you use on your iPhone or do you use something different on your iPhone? We have quite a few headphones in the house um, that are used for different things. We have a Jabra Revo wireless 
Bluetooth headphones. Um, and those are the favorites for when we want to do chores and we don't want wires in the way. Uh, but even, this one has its drawbacks. Uh, when my husband has tried to use these at work, he's experienced a lot of Bluetooth interference. So then we have another pair. We have the Bose noise-canceling headphones. These are expensive headphones, but they're awesome for the airplane because their noise-canceling is so great. Um, unfortunately, our cats love to chew the wires for those. <laughs> Thank you, Bose, for replacing the wires twice without charge. <clears throat> That's the upside of expensive headphones. We have Beats headphones. We've got piles of headphones, but when I was thinking about it, what I use the most is really probably my Apple earbuds. I, I take those to the gym because I don't like the big headphones on my on my head when I'm at the gym. Um, and I often use those at night when I'm watching TV on my iPad. Uh, so, so for me, I the the thought that I won't be able to use the wired. Bose headphones with my iPhone in the future is annoying because those were pricey, but um, but the wireless headphones will be fine, and of course my new iPhone will come with new earbuds. So, uh, so I can see how people would be upset, especially because headphones can run so expensive. But um, for me personally, I don't think that will be terribly inconvenient. Uh, I think I have three sets of headphones that I use pretty regularly. I have my podcasting set, which I'm wearing right now, which is a pair of Shure over-ear headphones that I think came in a, in a Macworld speaker bag like five years ago. Um, I have a pair. My, my daily use headphones are currently the Cost Porta Pro which I like, although it's now freaking out. The wire is fraying or something because I will walk and it will just start triggering Siri and playing and pausing the song at random moments without doing anything, which is super exciting. Uh, and then I have my gym headphones are a pair of Bluetooth ones I actually bought a couple years ago just because I got tired of yanking on the wire of my headphones and have my phone fly across the floor. So I bought a pair of cheap, uh, these are Kinevo uh, behind the head uh, headphones. Uh, my only problem with those is that I find they, they don't get loud enough for me, especially with all the background noise of the gym. Um, so I, I end up with using different sets for different purposes. Um, I'm not in love with any of them. They all just end up being sort of, you know, of uses of convenience. Um, I'm also not like a, a audiophile. So, you know, I look at Marco Arment's excessive list of headphone <laughs> reviews and I'm always like, I just need something to make sounds. <laughs> um, but I can't use the earpods. I've, I've tried for years, both in the old versions of Apple's earbuds and the new earpods. They just don't, they don't fit in my ears. They pop out. So I, I have never used them. In fact, I've given away almost all of my sets. My girlfriend really loves them. So I just like, here, I've got a ton of these. You just keep taking them. Um, and so I'm, I'm really hoping that if they did come out with some nifty new uh, wireless headphones that maybe they might work better for me, but I'm also not holding my breath. I've got tons of headphones, both from testing over the years and just because I'm a little bit of a geek about it. But um, around the house, I use a few wired ones. I use um, a set of Oppo ones that I've been testing that are fantastic. I use some biodynamic ones. I use Sony studio monitors for the podcast stuff. Um, man, I have a set of um, Plantronics Bluetooth office headphones that are actually really cool for taking calls and they have a lot of really cool controls on them and stuff. Um, I have a set of Bose ones that I use for traveling. They're the in-ear ones instead of the over-ear ones. But like Sholly said, for planes, they're just fantastic. There's nothing better than those for, for planes. Um, but I will say after all that, 
usually if I'm just grabbing a set of headphones, I use Bluetooth. And that's, um, I have a couple different Jabra ones that are really great that I use a lot of the time because of the convenience. So, uh, I just, I love not having cables. I love when I go to the gym, not catching it on like, you know, on a machine or, or my arms of running or something. Um, there's a lot to be said for the convenience if you can get a good connection. So when I heard these rumors, I w- at first I was like, that's terrible. And then I stopped. I'm like, well, actually for me, it probably won't be that big of a deal because 90% of the time I'm using Bluetooth. Yeah. I uh, So I have a couple of pairs of uh, wired headphones. I've got a pair of Ultimate Ears that used to be my primary set. And these are in-ear canal phones that I've got custom silicone uh, molds. So they fit perfectly in my ears, which are awesome. I used to use these every day but uh the cords they don't make the cords that have the little microphone and clicker on them anymore um and so i can't use them with an iphone anymore because i can't control the iphone that way so now they they are my podcasting headphones and i've got them in right now uh and i've got a set of edemotic uh earbuds you you know canal phones that uh have uh, their own set of custom silicone tips on them and do have a cord and are still being made and so i use that with my iphone i do have a pair of jaybird uh bluetooth Ear, uh, in-ear headphones that are pretty good, uh, but I don't have custom uh, tips for them, and they don't fit perfectly in my ears. And I wish they, I, I wish they fit better because they make my ears hurt after an hour or so. I'm really used to having the customs now, um, but they sound great. So, uh, so they're okay. Although I, I've got to say, when people say, "Hey, just move to Bluetooth," it's not a problem. I have problems with Bluetooth all the time with my iPhone, mm-hmm. where where I have to quit the app that's playing the audio, or turn Bluetooth on and off, or turn the device on and off in order to get it to not stutter or behave weirdly. And uh, that's that happened to me. Uh, twice yesterday, once with the uh, the Jaybird Blue Buds and once with my in-car stereo where I had to do that and on a stock shipping version of uh, of iOS 9. So uh, I think there's more work to be done here. Yeah. Well, this is good. Uh, again, not scientific poll, but uh, it's good to hear the, the range, including some uh, EarPod users. So that's uh, that's also good to know. One more topic left. Sholly, what do you have? Well, when I looked at the guest lineup today for Clockwise, I realized... It was all former coworkers from from MacWorld, and so we're all uh, we were all affected, I'm sure, emotionally when we <laughs> when we heard the announcement this week that IDG is is going up for sale, and that made me think, uh, what's going to happen to all the all the magazines, MacWorld, PC World, all the IDG uh, properties, and. How will it impact me now, now that I'm a a reader of IDG content instead of a creator? And I wondered, where is everybody getting their tech news now? Have you strayed from the established media outlets significantly? Are you still using them? Um, And how is this going to affect you? That's my question. Well, first of all, I think between the four of us, maybe we should pool our money. And maybe we can buy. No, it's funny. My mom actually sent me the article from the Boston Globe about it because they're, you know, as we know, IDG is headquartered here in my home state, Massachusetts. Uh, I walk past the headquarters or drive past the Framingham offices pretty frequently. Um, I, you know, I I still do create some content for MacWorld, (laughs) so that that might affect me. Um, Oh, good, I can get fired again. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, but uh, you know, while I still read MacWorld pretty much every day. 
I, I, you know, I was always covering news at Macworld, so I always had a wide variety of outlets that I followed, uh, and I pretty much continue to follow the same same ones uh, now that I did then. Um, augmented by the fact that obviously so much uh, news seems to come through social media these days, so I spent a lot of time on Twitter, uh, and I spent a lot of time reading some of the other industry blogs and trolling Google News and stuff like that just to sort of see what's going on. Um, so I, I, I wouldn't say, I mean, obviously this would have an effect. I feel like, um, and I wouldn't say that I've, uh, you know. It would change what I'm doing a, a ton, um, just because that's always something that I've been used to doing is going out and searching for tech news, no matter no matter what source it comes from. So uh, I feel like you know this this is an interesting interesting move. I will be uh, intrigued to see how it plays out, but I, I don't know that it will necessarily impact me, except for <laughs> the whole thing where I write for them still. <laughs> I would say I pretty much get it the way I used to, which is everyone, everyone, you hold your breath. I'm, I use RSS still. Um, I'm not one of the people who switched to, to Twitter, but um, no, I still follow a lot of feeds on RSS. I don't always keep up with them, um, but that's generally where I get most of my news. Um, every once in a while, I'll see stuff on Facebook or Twitter and jump right into it. But usually, um, maybe in the morning, once around breakfast, maybe in the afternoon and in the evening, I'll check my feeds and kind of browse through and see if there's anything really important happening. Um, and that hasn't changed much since I'm, I'm, I'm at a different place. I think because I do, you know, I used I, for over a decade, I was at Macworld and so Mac focused. Now at my current job, I'm less Mac focused. So I don't religiously follow as many of the Mac sites as I used to, but, um, you know, it's still there in my heart my Mac side. So I still do follow that as much as I can. Uh, for me, I am one of those people that Dan talked about. I use mm -hmm. social media to get a lot of my news at this point, not the actual content, but the links. And because I find that I follow a, an interesting collection of people who have their pulse collectively on what's going on. So I do use Nuzzle quite a bit, which is an aggregation service I've talked about before that uh, it's an app. And then there's also a website where you point it at your Facebook and Twitter feeds and it aggregates the links that are being shared and the m links that are most commonly shared kind of float to the top. And that's been very useful, as well as just seeing what people are talking about on Twitter. And these days, I'm in a couple of interesting uh, Slack groups, one for uh, for Relay and one for the Incomparable, and links get passed around in those as well. So I, I find that I, I like to rely on the wisdom of uh, not crowds in general, but of the people I know and trust. Uh, and that does me really well. So I'm as a result, I'm reading things from all over. And uh, and uh, so, I, yes, I'm one of those kind of rootless, no no particular brand loyalty, uh, see what everybody is saying and, and talking about kind of people. But it works for me. I was never an RSS. I can never do RSS. So this is this is as close as I, I think I can come. And I got to say, I'm with Jason. When I thought about it, I, I still do follow Macworld and CNN and TechCrunch and Verve and PC World and Mac Rumors, all, you know, all sorts of um, sources that have been useful and and continue to be useful. But I realized really what it is, is I follow people and those people I trust to show links if they're really good. If something really interesting and is happening, it's going to show up in Twitter or on Facebook or in the places that I'm cruising. Or if I am looking for information about a particular topic, I, you know, I always do a hashtag search or search in Google to see if there's any Google news. But in that case, I go out just to make sure I'm not missing something in particular. But I don't rely on a single source to 
to go to that or to make sure that that's going to inform me anymore. I've, I've gone completely over to the social media side. All right. Well, that wraps up our four topics. Hey, Jason, I think we have just enough time for a bonus topic. I sure hope so. Uh, the Powerball jackpot is up to $1.4 billion, billion with a B. That's a lot of money. Uh, are you buying or have you bought a Powerball ticket? And, you know, if so, what are you going to do with your winnings, Dan? Yeah, the family has bought like two tickets the last couple drawings. I mean, it's kind of like we're not lottery players, but it's kind of a fun, hey, what, what, what would we do kind of thing? Um, so we, we've bought a couple and contributed to whoever wins their winnings. Uh, we have no idea what we would do. We've, that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a really lot of money. <laughs> Jason? Um, no. Uh, in fact, this morning my wife said to me, uh, so are we, are we winning the Powerball today? And I said, I don't know, are we? And, and she said, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm not buying a ticket, but are you buying a ticket? And she said, of course not. So the answer is no. <laughs> and if we, if we won the Powerball, I would say the first thing we would do is give a nice amount of money to the person who apparently bought us a Powerball ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I don't, I don't know, I, I, would get, I would get a condo in, in Hawaii. How about that? We talked about Hawaii earlier. Yeah, that. I do not usually get Powerball tickets, but when you posted this topic, I was like, wow, how big is that jackpot? And, you know, I, I'm okay. Actually, I saw it at $1.5 billion oh, is wow. what, what I read, so it, perhaps it's gone up. But, yeah. you know, I, I'll, I decided that after this podcast, I'd go get a couple of tickets. And I have a tip. The New York Times says to take the 30-year payoff. There you go. Oh, yes, yes. Always take the payoff, the annuity. It's much, you get much more money that way. Um, I, I was just talking about this with my girlfriend last night, who I think is going to buy a ticket today. I have not planned to and probably won't, though my mom will also probably buy a ticket. <laughs> could we afford IDG with a $1.5 million? Yeah, I we could. Yeah. <laughs> now you're thinking. All right, good. I'm glad we all have plans for our newfound mythical wealth. <laughs> um, and that's all the time we have for today. So it remains only to thank our guests. Dan Frakes, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Sholly, thank you for being here as part of our little Macworld reunion. Always fun. And Dan, we made it. Yeah, it's good to be back. Good to kick off 2016. Yeah, I already That's kicked the, it off, but it's good yeah, that you're for real, you finally showed for real, up. Yeah, for real, for real. It's, it's true. It's true. And, and thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of Clockwise. We'll be back next week. And until then, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.